Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Week one is in the books, guys. We have so much to talk about, um, so much more than I thought we would have to talk about. Um, And that's the fun of week one. Uh, Things that we thought we knew, maybe we don't, and vice versa. Um, I had some very good teams lose this week. Uh, and I had some teams that I don't think are very good wins. So that's that's the fun of week one here. We're learning. We're growing. Um, I hope AutoSub feature treated everybody well. It sounds like, Colin, you've got one that's a difference between a win and a loss. So you're hoping that yeah. gets fixed. Yeah. Um, I, I, did, I emailed uh, Fantrax about it because it's Dwayne McBride. I didn't play on Thursday. Um, did not get a chance to sub him out. But I use the auto sub feature, and the difference is uh, is a win here. So I emailed them, fan tracks. If you're listening, do the right thing. Just don't blame your stat provider. Just just fix it. I'm sure that your email, on top of the other five thousand emails they get about it, definitely is going to make the difference. So I'm glad that you went and did that, Colin. I really stood what well, stood up for the little I, guy. I sent it for the I sent it from the company email. So the oh email. no, my god! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I did not. Austin's pulling up the Gmail here to check and make sure I'm not lying. No, I'm pulling up the partnership agreement <laughs> to see how I can get rid of you. Okay. All right. So um, let's not let's not beat around the bush here too much, Colin. We've just got so much to talk about. Um, First, before we do that, guys, just a reminder, if you're looking for more in-season content, especially as the games kick coming here and you need to know what waivers are going to look like this week, who should you start sit, all of that kind of stuff, you can find all of that over at campusdecanton.com. WaiverWire is already out uh, article for the week. Uh, Chris, I believe, already has his rankings out for this week. Obviously, they get tweaked as the week goes on um, with with news of, of injuries and other things like that. Um, if you're a member, you have access to both of those. Uh, you can also be in our Discord, and we can certainly help you with any decisions that you're trying to make. Beyond that, guys, College Football Mornings has been has been uh, flowing here. I know, Colin, you had to do the waiver wire uh, show yourself this week because I was occupied. Uh, we also have the Friday Night Light show that comes out uh, Saturdays or Sundays, kind of recaps the week in high school football for those that are already deciding. I, I acquired a first and second round supplemental pick today in a league. Oh. So we're looking forward to next year, guys. Great, great opportunity to do that. On to next year. Exactly. Next year. In that league, yes, I am. That recruiting our recruiting team is, uh, is really, really good with that. Uh, you can check out uh, on Saturday mornings, guys. We actually have two shows. I talk for four hours straight, basically, on a Saturday morning. Um, Nobody wants that, So, get, but still tune in anyway. Against my better judgment. Yes, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., guys, Better Sports Network. If you guys have not checked this out over there, we just did our first episode on the network. Uh, a lot of fun. It's me. It's uh, some combination of, of the C2C crew. Usually two or three of us last week was me, Matt Bruning, and Chris Moxley. I don't know exactly what the division is this week. Um, but we're on there talking uh, just kind of everything, getting you guys ready for the day. Betting, prize picks, DFS, all that good stuff. Uh, start sit. Uh, and it's just some, we, we take questions and stuff too. It's a lot of fun. Just have to download the app. No sign up uh, required. Um, so go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, college football tonight, Saturday morning or Saturday nights uh, goes on right after the games. Kind of sports center-ish. Uh, breaks down all the, the news throughout the day. Oh, and I guess tonight, I, right? What? College college fantasy tonight, right? I was kidding because Felix. I, is, I don't want to get yelled at by Felix anymore. He's scared. He's trying to cancel our show. 
Yes. Um, the tailgate, 10.30 a.m., 12, 12 p.m. on Saturdays uh, on our YouTube channel. I mean, there's just so much. Bet on C2C podcast, Back to Debbie podcast, um, just a ton of stuff, guys. Uh, really good articles that will get you through the week, so go ahead and check everything out over there. Um, let's get into some news here, Colin. Um, I had a hard time picking which games we were going to go a little further in depth uh, with this week, but I think I think we settled on some good ones because they're um, – Definitely some decisions that are going to be need to be made from some of these teams. TCU, Colorado, not the most entertaining game from a competitive uh, standpoint. TCU 38-13 uh, kind of got out uh, fairly early there and, and, and wasn't much of a game for most of it here. But I think there's a couple different takeaways here, at least uh, things that we should be watching for. Quentin Johnston, you know, we talked all offseason. Breakout potential, but he's been very inconsistent in the past. Could he be more consistent? in this Sonny Dykes offense. Well, week one, not a great start for him, guys. Three catches, 22 yards, largely anonymous, like just kind of the story of, of most of his career here so far. Should we be concerned um, that, you know, better offense and Johnston really didn't seem to be an enormous part of it like maybe some people had hoped? Um, I'm not alarmed um, right now. Uh, the TCU offense didn't start off that game great. Um, so, you know, and Chandler Morris got hurt. So we're going to see it with Max Dugan again. Uh, you know, Max Dugan has put up some nice games with Quentin Johnston, um, before. So I'm not alarmed, but the meters at let's call it a three on the panic meter right now. Um, I, uh, my ears are, my ears are open. My, my eyes are, are perked up a little bit, um, paying attention to, how this is going to shake out here, but I'm not overly concerned about it. It's one week. It's not an overreaction. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not reacting to the news. I don't have a lot of Quentin Johnston, just the nature of where he ended up going in drafts a lot the past couple of years. I prefer other guys. Um, I don't think this hurts his stock. I think if we're three weeks into the season and he's still doing this, and I think it's a big, big red flag. Um, and t- I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, the advanced stats ha- have liked him over the past couple of years uh, from like a market share standpoint because they haven't been particularly prolific. Um, but he hasn't been hitting like huge thresholds either. Like if he hasn't really just have like a, had a blowout year by you uh, know, after his third year, then I think I think even with the tools, you kind of have to, to notch him down a little bit. You know, I've, I've heard some talk. Can he be the QB three in the class? Can he sneak even higher than that? And I think it'd be difficult for me to put him above Addison or downs, kind of the two guys that seem to fall, you know, depending on who's ranking, those those three kind of go any which direction. I think it would be hard to sell me on QJ above either of them when both of them have been in offenses um, that that were, you know, prolific offenses, but absolutely destroyed in them. I mean, um, uh, Josh Downs uh, had like a 35% market share or something last year. Jordan Addison won the Bolitnikoff, and it, it wasn't that high volume of an offense. So, I mean... I think it's definitely if if he makes it three or four more games, I'm worried that that's just going to be an enormous red mark uh, on an otherwise you know nice athletic profile. But I mean, you can only get so far on a nice athletic profile, right? I mean, there, we, the the road is littered with guys that that have been great athletes, but maybe you know never quite put it all together as football players. Yeah, and I mean TCU has had a couple of those themselves. You know? <laughs> I I didn't want to say it. I did not want to say it, but yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it's 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 like a three right now on the panic meter. You know, I I believe in Sonny Dykes. I think he's going to get 
this offense going. I think he's going to feed Quentin Johnston a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's at this point, you're absolutely right that, you know, Jordan Addison and, and Josh Downs deserve to be right there in that conversation with him. You know, and I think anybody who had Quentin Johnston as the wide receiver three in this class with a bullet or even had him, a, you know, as the wide receiver two ahead of some other people. Like I, I've, I've seen a couple people who had that. I would be a little bit concerned with that right now. Um, I have him in my, as four in this class. Uh, and who do you have as three? Jermaine Burton. Oh, that's right. Who had, who had what is that? What is that? What is, what is it? Oh, that's right. What is that? Supposed I, you're, to be? you're the high, you're the high guy on Burton in our group by a lot. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. But I mean, we won't get into a Jermaine Burton discussion right now. But um, I think the, the wide receiver three in this class is very up in the air. Mm-hmm. And like I said, anybody who had Quentin Johnson with a bullet should be a little concerned. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's low, it's, you know, two, two or three on the panic scale for out of 10 here, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. I think, you know, and let's say that you are prone to panic and no matter how much we try to talk you off the, off the ledge, um, we can't, we can't, we're, we're not very good. Uh, negotiators. Back from um, no, don't do it. My... That's their worst song. Um, hot take. That's not a hot take. That song's crap. Um, <laughs> I I, would, I don't think it's a bad idea to sniff around and to see what you can get with him. I, I'd be really curious. I don't I actually don't see him get traded a lot in leagues. I don't know if it's just because the people that have him are kind of diehard truthers at this point. The people that don't like him are out on him. I don't know if that's the case or what. But I, I would just be really interested to see what people would be willing to offer up for him. And I don't know what I'd accept for him. But I think if he's valued as a... You know, if you're thinking about rookie drafts next year, and he, you think he could be a guy that goes anywhere between like the one seven and the one ten, let's see, you think that's his range, and you're you're kind of shopping around for that kind of value. I, mean, I think that can get you a decent NFL guy already if you want to just kind of accelerate the timeline, or if you want to kind of kick it back a little bit. I mean, I'd want at least a first round supplemental pick for him. Plus, I think you'd have oh, to yeah. be on to that for sure. Um, I, I don't know what that plus would be. Maybe a Antonio Williams. Or something like that, a guy that he almost is not his year one zero anymore. I've had four catches this week for Clemson. I, kind of a piece like that, I think, would be really, really interesting. A, a Barry and Brown, who who had another yep. freshman who had a nice week, but hasn't like bro- broken out yet in air quotes. Kobe um, Prentice. Quote, yeah, any of those kind of like on the fringe wide receivers that if you don't buy them soon, there's a chance that like you can't buy them anymore. I think that'd be an interesting trade discussion with him if you want to kick it backwards. I think I'd be more tempted to kick him forward a little bit and go for an NFL guy. But uh, who's to say? So I, I, just just a devil's advocate there. Not necessarily saying you should go out and do that. Um, not the only takeaway from this game, though, guys. The running back touch split, I think, is really, really interesting. Uh, Kendry Miller, a guy that um, got a lot of hype. He was very efficient last year, uh, both behind um, uh, Zach Evans. And then when Zach Evans went down, he was kind of the guy there. Um we thought we were, we were curious to see what the, the, the workload would be like there. It seemed like early in the offseason, it would be kind of heavy. Last couple of weeks, there, there were some Imani Bailey type, you know, hype rumors coming through uh, some other guys in that team as well. So I was interested to see exactly what the breakdown was here. They didn't run the ball. Uh, well, they ran the ball. They ran the ball 30 times, but like That's Miller awesome. had the most touches. and It was eight. Like no one, no one really dominated the ball here. I thought that was interesting. And he had eight for 52 and one. Um, but there, I mean, the other backs on that team still, still factored in pretty decently. You know, Amari DeMarcado, a guy. Um, that, again, was fairly efficient last year. Four, four carries, 49 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Imani Bailey did have three for 42. Like, I think this was a, a 
a offensive performance where they could do what they wanted on the ground and they they kind of did if you look at the guys that 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 carried the ball at all i mean miller miller actually had the worst yards per carry um team mercado averaged 12.3 yards per sam jackson kind of the hybrid like qb guy they have there that they've said they want to get involved 14.7 yards per carry Imani bailey averaged 14 max dugan averaged 13.7 um darius davis ha- had a kind of that that uh, trick play score um so like in the context of everything, I don't know what to I don't know what to take away from. But he he did not overwhelmingly dominate touches, which I just think is no noteworthy. If people thought that maybe he'd be a every week starter kind of guy, I think maybe maybe we're a little worried about that. Yeah, I don't know exactly how much I'm taking away from this game right now, but I do think the RB touch split and just just the running game touch split is a little it is a little concerning i mean sunny dykes has used multiple running backs before um so i think that this could be something that is a trend all season long maybe it's not quite this bad of a split but uh, i do think this is going to be a little bit more of a committee i think the biggest takeaway is anybody who was really hoping for a big year from kendry miller um should be on notice right now uh, i would be a little bit concerned if i was a, a kendry miller truther which I'm, I'm not, but if I, I think there's some there's something to watch out for when I think every back on the roster is hyper efficient and and um, yeah. like I, we had this discussion we talked Braden Bennett and everyone you know is really banking on a Braden Bennett uh, breakout he was out this this week and Reese White in his stead was guess what hyper efficient in this offense that is designed for running backs to be hyper efficient had a really really good fantasy week unfortunately didn't catch the Braden Bennett news not that I necessarily would have started Reese White everywhere I have him anyway which is a lot of places. Um, so that, that, uh, 30 burger was on my bench, uh, everywhere. Uh, I digress. Um, uh, but I think there's something to be said for that. Like TCU last year was also a very efficient rushing attack. Pretty much every single one of the running backs was averaging like six, seven yards per carry. So a guy that's doing that in that kind of situation, but everybody else is doing that too. I'm slightly less impressed. I just think like, it, it met their, their hyper efficiency matters less because it seems like the system, um, boosts efficiency in a way that maybe um wouldn't happen if this player was elsewhere so i just think it's it's something to watch and i'm not sure i'm extrapolating whatever he's doing into a a ton of carries moving forward yeah that's why i really like uh noah hill's work that he does with the running backs there where he takes a look at a player's numbers versus their teammates and compares that to you know kind of what you would expect and then you know uh, for other teams as well so um i'll be i'll be interested to see you know, next off season, what he has to say about Kendry Miller there. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you see hyper efficiency from every running back, you got to think it's a system and it's not just one guy and you can't, you shouldn't be too high on those guys. Um, last little piece of news here. Um, Chandler Morris got injured in this game and is out this weekend. I believe I saw, I didn't see a timetable for return, but Max, that means Max Dugan, uh, who did not start this game, but was the starter, uh, last couple of years there, uh, unfortunately, will return and uh, very limited action for him this week. I mean, he only threw three passes. Um, hard to take anything. You know, did he look better? New and improved Max Dugan. I think it's uh, pretty much impossible to tell. Um, but just something to monitor. You know, we kind of thought Chandler Morris in this offense could be something, and he did not look particularly good. So we'll see what Max Dugan can do. Um, could toss this quarterback situation into chaos. Uh, Arkansas Cincy calling, I think, was a really fun game um was one that we were split on 
picking um, this weekend on, across our different shows. Uh, Arkansas was favored by a touchdown. They ended up winning by, guess what, a touchdown. Um, but was a pretty close game overall. Um, ben Bryant started for Cincy, I think. You know, we Gross. we came to terms with that. He had a decent day this week. Um, actually, you know, against Arkansas, like not a bad defense. So I don't know. I mean, can this offense be functional with, with him there well, for fantasy purposes? Uh, I mean, look at his numbers early in the game versus late in the game. And there's one... Well, not one, but there, there's a pretty clear point where you can see where his numbers get better. And that's after Arkansas lost two defensive backs to injury. So Arkansas had two defensive backs go down to injury since he was playing from behind the entire game. I credit that for a lot of his numbers here in this one. I'm still not buying Ben Bryant. Still don't think he's very good. Um, I still don't think this offense will be particularly good uh, this season with him at the helm. But I will give him credit. He wasn't as bad as I thought he was going to be. Um, likewise, um, other Cincy talking points here. I mean, the big one is Corey Kiner, actually. You know, Montgomery was going to be the lead back, uh, got hurt, opened up the door for Kiner and Charles McClellan. Both ended up getting some touches on the day. Uh, Kiner, definitely the most effective guy there on 12 carries, 60 yards, had a touchdown as well, uh, got injured, came back. Um, and the injury looked bad. I was like, oh, we just lost Corey Kiner for the season. Uh, this, after we hyped him up and, and now he's back. Uh, do we like Kiner long-term here now if he if he does actually have this job? I mean, they're the kind of staff that once a guy takes it over and he looks good, like that guy keeps it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we can feel a lot better about Corey Kiner. You know, we were, we were kind of projecting it before, um, but now seeing the way he performed in this offense, I think this staff – you know, they can't go over two, right? They can't mess up the quarterback position and the running back position. So I, I think they'll they'll ride with with Corey Kiner. They do have a, a history of, of kind of riding with one guy a little bit more when they find him. And I think that will be Kiner. Um, that's my hope as well. I think it's wishful thinking. I do think there's a scenario where maybe he doesn't keep this job or, you know, but, the, but this, this, that, well, it's new offensive coordinator, but promoted from within. So like, whatever, like it's a new staff, but it's not, um, they tend to like a bell cow guy. So I just think it'll be really interesting. You know, if Kiner is the best back and this guy comes back, I think Kiner will keep it, but I don't want to be like overly optimistic and steer people the wrong way on this. But I do think in terms of talent, it's very obvious that Kiner is the best player on this team. They sat Jerome Ford for a year there, even though he was, in my opinion, very clearly the most talented back on the team. So this the, that wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing ever, but I think this opening the door does help him to have that job long-term, which would be obviously great for, for us, great for, for Corey, who's a hometown kid, uh, since he wanted him real bad coming out of high school. I, I mean, I think, I think there's some reasons there to be optimistic. I really, really... Uh, do think so. Not a lot of noteworthy stuff in the past game or in the receiving game there. I mean, a bunch of like four for 60 type days. And I think that's going to be basically what we're looking at all season there. Um, so still not buying any of those guys. Yeah. Arkansas. No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I figured there was nothing to add here. <laughs> Just nope. moving on. For Arkansas, KJ Jefferson. I thought he looked good. I, I was worried the last couple of weeks. I kept saying, you know, is he – Does do they have someone that can replace Traylon Burks for him? If not, what does he look like? 
you know, is he does is does he turn to you know making some bad decisions? Is he rushing the ball a little too much? Um, but Jefferson actually had himself a really really good day. Um, 223 yards passing. He'll never be like a 400-yard guy consistently, but 18 for 26 was efficient. Three touchdowns there. Then 18 carries, which is what we usually get out of him, 62 yards and a touchdown there. Like, it was a very K.J. Jefferson performance. Um, Long-term, another guy that we really, really like. I mean, would you be comfortable starting K.J. Jefferson in places this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once he gets into the heart of the SEC schedule, it's, you know, it'll it'll be a little bit tougher, um, but this offense is going to go as KJ Jefferson goes, you know? Yeah. He lost Traylon Burks. It was definitely interesting to see, you know, how he was going to respond without that safety net there. And you're right. Yeah. He he looked pretty good today. Uh, He's always going to have that dual threat ability too. So he's always has that high ceiling uh, because he's the type of quarterback that can rush for, you know, a hundred yards and, and two touchdowns in a game. And, not even really bad an eye that much. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's very much in his range of outcomes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he can – he is a guy that I would definitely be willing to start in a fair amount of matchups, and I think it'll be obvious when to not start him, which is helpful. Yeah, really good point. Uh, you know, we want to talk about rushing production with him. Uh, Arkansas ran the ball 45 times this game. KJ Jefferson had 18. Raheem Sanders had 20. So between the two of them, they ran the ball, you know, 80 something percent of the time. Uh, and Sanders looked really good. 20 carries, 117 yards, no touchdowns, which really killed the day for him. I think you had him as a start this week. And the no touchdowns ended up keeping him, he, that ended up being a miss for you in our start sit last week. He also had three catches, 12 yards. Um, so very productive day for him. He's probably going to lose a little bit of when Dominique Johnson comes back. But I mean, I think. Can he be the RB two, three, four in his class? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But just very looked good in like a full time role, which is just what we wanted to see. Yeah, I mean the the big takeaway there is the uh, touch discrepancy between him and the next closest back, AJ Green, with three carries. You know, uh, I mean we figured this was going to be a little bit of a committee, and like you said, Dominic Johnson wasn't out there, uh, and KJ Jefferson is always going to be. Uh, a threat to steal carries, to steal touchdowns. But Rocket Sanders looked good. He looked explosive, you know, showing why they call him Rocket, caught the ball well. Um, and uh, yeah, I absolutely think he can be the RB, you know, three or four in, in that class. I mean, you know, and there's, you know, Braylon Allen's there. Uh, Will Shipley's in that class too. Those guys are, are fighting behind Travion. Travion obviously head and shoulders above the rest of those guys. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why um, Rocket Sanders shouldn't be in your top five backs for 2024. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, about where exactly he should fit in. The other big takeaway here from Arkansas is Trey Knox. And if you know, let's go back a few years. Traylon Burks, Trey Knox uh, had just finished their freshman seasons with Arkansas. Um, Trey Knox was the hot item here. He had the better year. He got a lot of hype that first spring when he was there. Um, and, and then, you know, 28 catches as a freshman, um, 385 yards, three touchdowns. Um, people forget that that was, that was probably a better season than Burks, although Burks was uh, a little more of a big play waiting to happen. 
They've moved Knox to tight end. He's bulked up. He's reportedly close to 240. Um, and, you know, we were saying, can Jadon Hasselwood be this new bailout target? We said, probably not. He's just not that level of player. But do you know who is? Trey Knox. And Trey Knox, 675 and 2 this weekend. I, I think he's a really interesting guy, especially because he has that tight end eligibility. I mean, tight guys that are tight end, tight tight ends, but like also aren't tight ends, kind of a cheat code for for college fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that was the theme of um, well, not the theme, but that was the reason that we you and I both advocated for picking up CJ Donaldson was yep. it's kind of that cheat code, you know. And Trey Knox is more traditionally a tight end; he's listed as a tight end on their roster. Um, but his usage as a receiver makes him kind of like a cheat code there. And, you know, we'll see what his NFL potential looks like. I mean, I think just given his size, his athleticism, his receiving ability, he will get drafted. Uh, so that already puts him, you know, as a guy who should be on the rise here. You know, I was, I had some questions about how this was going to shake out with him. You know, he had flashed at times before and then kind of faded. And so we'll see if he does that again, but, uh, yeah, he, Trey Knox, big stock up there, and he's probably not on your waivers, but if he is, I'm giving him a look. He's in wa- he's on waivers in a couple of my leagues. I think people got fed up with him. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a better football player than like Jelani Woods, mm-hmm. who everyone Absolutely. got got over this offseason because he ran really fast and benched a bunch of weight, um, but like never watched him play a snap of football. Uh, I think he's a better football player than Jelani Woods. So um, you know, if, if that's your barometer, Jelani Woods went in what the third round. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I think I think Knox will go around four, round five if he if he has a decent season here. Cause he's again, you know, six six. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh really, really intriguing guy. All right, let's leave that game here, Colin. Done. We I think we've squeezed all the juice we can out of that one. Um, let's head over to Georgia, Oregon. And my first note is just Georgia, good lord. I mean <laughs> bad. I thought that was gonna be a close I thought that was gonna be a fairly close game. I really yeah, did. I, I thought Georgia was going to win that, but man, they just absolutely blew the doors off them. Yeah, we said, I think I said pretty much all week, you know, I like Georgia to win this game, but I think Oregon, it was a 17-point spread at the beginning of the week, and I think it closed at 16. I say I think Oregon can probably cover that. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Uh, well, it was low-scoring for one of these teams. Oregon only scored three, and Georgia scored 49. Um, so I, I mean, I think the first note is that Georgia is – going to be a, a very, very good team for anybody that thought maybe they were going to st- take a step back. I think they probably will make the playoff. Um, but let's talk about offensively exactly what they kind of looked like here. So the, the running back split was interesting. Uh, Milton, uh, Kendall Milton led all runners, eight carries, and he went eight for 50 and one. He actually had a receiving touchdown as well, I believe. Kenny McIntosh, though, kind of the 215-pound uh, receiving back, I uh, had nine catches for 117 yards. He led this team in receptions and targets. I find that really, really interesting. Georgia always has a very odd split uh, in terms of targets. Like weird positions tend to lead this team. Definitely something to monitor. And I'm not sure if I'd want to start him every week. So I'm not sure how much rushing value he has. But as a receiver, I mean, nine for 117 is basically a startable week as a wide receiver, let alone a running back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm kind of shocked that he was, you know, their best receiver from a statistical standpoint in this one. You know, we knew he was a receiving option. We knew he was a good receiving back there. Um, 
especially given his size too. That was like one of the reasons why I like him as a, as a riser on Devi. But, um, you know, in terms of CFF, I, I, this is not what I was expecting from him. Um, you know, I thought he might have a nice week this week because Kendall Milton was kind of banged up heading into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the explosion in the receiving game from Kenny McIntosh was surprising to even some of his most staunchest supporters there. But I think it's a good note and what i think um does that more receiving yards than uh james cook had ever had in a game i believe i think i saw that stat floated around it was yeah yeah cook's best ever was like four for 110 or something like that yeah so you know i I don't think he's (laughs) i don't think he's james cook but i think he can actually you know have a nice role at the nfl level here too but i think he might take a good portion of that james cook role in this offense this year, which is going to have some startable weeks. Yeah, and he scored a touchdown on the ground, too. So, I mean, he had a, a decent fantasy day overall as well. It was definitely over that 20-point threshold that we like to see. Uh, all of the tight ends played, Colin, but none of them really featured, uh, which, again, I think we talked about a little bit. It's not super surprising. Bowers had two receptions for 38 yards. Darnell Washington had two for 33. And I believe Gilbert had a target as well, but did not register a stat in this one. Um, and I target distribution beyond those or you know, reception distribution beyond them. I mean, Kenny, Kenny McIntosh, we talked about Lad McConkie had five catches at nine. Mitchell had four yards. Jackson had three, uh, the one Edwards had two, and then a couple of guys with one. Um, I think it's going to be hard to consistently start Brock Bowers in fantasy this year. I don't know how many more times I have to say it. Darnell Washington. I think they want to get him the ball. I think they want to get Gilbert some looks in the red zone, which is where, Bowers really thrived last year. Um, so I think if you're relying on tight end one production to get out of Bowers, I think it's going to be tough sledding. And I think this game shows why in a blowout. He did almost nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the blowout probably had a little bit something to do with the uh, snap usage for all of those tight ends. I mean, I think they're going to want to get all of them involved, but I think if it's a closer game, they will use Bowers a little bit more. Um but yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think that it's a tight end one numbers for CFF from Brock Bowers is is going to be difficult for him to put up again this year, you know. And we like him from a Debbie standpoint if he could put on a little bit more weight, but from a CFF standpoint, not quite as much, you know. And and we saw why in this one. Yeah, um, let's go over to Oregon. I mean that. Uh... They spread the ball around like they usually do. Stetson Bennett was pretty efficient. I mean, that that's kind of the takeaways from them. Oregon, I think, has some interesting pieces of information as well. If you're looking at snap count for some of these guys, um, Byron Cardwell like did not play that much. He only played 13 snaps. The same amount of snaps that Marquise Irving played. There's fewer than Sean Dollars, fewer than Jordan James. Mic drop moment when I said that Jordan James is the, <laughs> the best back on this roster. I'm actually a little surprised that it shook out this way. Um, this weekend but I mean it it was very committee-ish very Georgia-ish if we can say so Um, I'm interested to see if that stays this way moving forward because then I you know you're not gonna be able to start any of these guys Cardwell only got a handful of carries and wasn't mind-blowing with them although you wouldn't necessarily expect him to be no, I would really expect him to be in this one in a game against pro- the best defense that Oregon is going to see all year. Bold. Georgia, bold it, to say that. <laughs> Georgia, um, 
you know, Georgia, once again, going to be an absolutely phenomenal defense this year. Oregon got they, they Georgia jumped on Oregon early and Oregon got blown out early. So it's not really surprised that surprising to me that one Cardwell wasn't effective against this defense and two, he didn't handle a ton of volume. Um, so I'm not taking a lot away from this game yet at this point. I still think Cardwell in I still, still think Cardwell will be the the leading ball carrier for this team moving forward. But it is something I'm definitely monitoring. You know, I think this is uh, a yellow flag, so to speak. Not a red flag. Not panicked. High letter uh, yellow in honor of Oregon. Yes, exactly. Right. Boom. Nailed it. Highlighter yellow flag on uh on, on Cardwell right now. You can look at the wide receivers for these guys too. It was a pretty um uh wide target distribution overall. Terrence Ferguson, the tight end, actually um had the most targets on the team, four catches, 37 yards. No one, no one was mind-blowing. Chase Coda had four targets. Irving had four targets, Seven McGee had three, Dante Thornton had three, Sean Dollars had three, Cardwell and Troy Franklin both had two, uh, and then a couple of guys there with one. Um, I mean, I guess the takeaway here, Bo Nix, maybe who we thought he was, although this is certainly, um, again, like you said, probably the, probably the toughest defense they'll play all year. It's not, not bold. We said it was bold earlier, but I mean, I think uh, I feel pretty good saying that. Yeah, I, I think the bold, I thought, I assumed that the bold from you was facetious but um, i don't think it's remote i don't even think it's really remotely close that this is the best defense they're going to play all year utah um you know we can talk a little bit about that maybe a little bit later or something but you know i think that the um utah's defense got kind of exposed against florida so you know maybe they're not going to be quite as good as we thought they were and maybe florida will be a little bit better than they thought they were but i don't think utah's defense is going to be able to even sniff what how, how good Georgia's is. Let's head over Ohio State-Notre Dame, the highest profile game of the week. Uh, did not disappoint. I mean, it wasn't like a super exciting game. I, it was kind of boring at times, but it was a close game. Ohio State ended up uh, kind of pulling away at the end, uh, scoring 14 points in the second half, shutting out Notre Dame there. Um, so Ohio State's defense definitely looks better than it did um, last year. Maybe not as many shootouts. I don't know, something to monitor. Um, CJ Stroud, a little underwhelming. Uh, he wasn't bad. He didn't make any really bad mistakes or anything, um, but probably some throws that he'd really like back. End of the day, 24 for 34, 223 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I mean, steady performance, but you, you, he, I'm sure he he was not happy with it. No, I, I don't think he would be happy with that performance either there. and I, I do think losing JSN that early in the game uh, kind of threw CJ Stroud off a little bit because, you know, anytime you lose a receiver of that caliber, regardless of who you have behind you, it's going to take a little bit to kind of adjust. And, you know, we saw Emeka Egbuka really step up in JSN's absence and kind of fill that role a little bit later in the game. But I think the JSN loss um, is a good bit of why CJ Stroud struggled a little bit in this one at times. So I'm not overly worried about Stroud. Well, let's talk about JSN then going down with injury. It sounds like he's doubtful for next game. I haven't seen any sort of like long-term prognosis for him um, or, or what they think about there. Uh, but this offense, like you said, definitely struggled without him. You know, he got banged up. He tried to play through it. You could tell he just wasn't right, wasn't himself, wasn't moving um, like he usually would. 
they have an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver there, but you could have fooled me for a little bit there. And I think Notre Dame, you know, defensively is a different beast than, than some teams they'll play. But the Big Ten is a good defensive conference. They're going to play the teams that are, that are tough, that are physical, that are that are going to get on some of these receivers. Um, are you worried at all about this offense if JSN doesn't come back in two or three weeks? The upset special perhaps on the table? Um, no, I'm not overly worried about it. I mean, I think losing JSN does make Ohio State a little bit more vulnerable and they're not maybe quite as, as high-powered of an offense as we thought. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is still a good receiver. Emeka Egbuka still a good receiver. Um, you know, they have a couple other guys that will be able to mix in, maybe Julian Fleming if he ever gets healthy. Jaden Ballard can take the top off of a defense too. So, you know, Keon Grays maybe gets a little bit of run at some point um, or, or one of the freshmen. So they have talent there at wide receiver. If they can afford to take a hit at one spot, it's wide receiver. Now, like I said, losing a, any, a player of JSN's caliber is going to hurt any offense, you know, regardless of who you have behind it. But I'm not overly concerned about it um in, in the long term there and you know they get um arkansas state this week they do, jsn's yeah. not going to play this week they, they don't need jsn this week um i don't know who they get the week after that but it's probably not anybody that great hands up if you knew who xavier johnson is um jared did uh, CFF I'm, Jared. I'm not sure if he actually knew that or if he had to look it up real quick. I also wasn't playing the game with the sound on at all, so it's very possible that uh, he got the information. I, I don't know well, if he actually knew that or not. Well, he said he used him as a placeholder for somebody this offseason. So that was how he knew. Know, it. Yeah, that that's was how really he fun. knew who he was. Yeah, that's really He's like, oh. <laughs> For those you know at home that maybe don't know what we're talking about, Ohio State scored a touchdown. Uh, I believe it was the one they scored in the third quarter, um, and Xavier Johnson was the guy who caught it. Fifth season as a Buckeye, he's played running back, he's played cornerback. Now apparently he's playing a little bit wide receiver. Um, special, big special teams guy for them. Um, but don't go at him. Don't go to anything like that. I just thought that was a really interesting um, that he got two targets on the day. Um, one other one for you here, Colin, in, ter in terms of target spread, who do you think had the most targets on Ohio State this weekend? Um, I would say Igbuka would be my guess. He was tied for first, yeah, um, okay. and uh, nine catches, 90 yards, touchdown. He was kind of the chain mover with JSN out. So I think we got a preview of maybe what his role will look like next, next year when JSN's gone, a little less big play, uh, and maybe a little more steady Eddie. Um, do you know who, who he tied with? Which you would never have guessed this just like with the context of the flow of the game. Um, give me Travion. Harrison Jr. had 11 too. They both had 11 targets. Wow. Doesn't seem like it. Harrison Jr. only had five catches for 56 yards, no touchdowns. Wow. But uh, anybody concerned about Harrison after they saw that stat line, uh, they looked his way quite a bit. So, um, you know, if you want to be concerned that – you know, he did less on the same amount of targets as Buka, you know, go crazy on that front. But um, I think he can still be a productive guy there this year. Not freaking out about that. Um, uh, and I, I stumbled across that as I was writing uh, an article here for this week. So just a, just an interesting point there. And they did. They used Cade Stover a lot, too, which was like baffling to me. They yeah. they put him on the outside a lot. He's a tight end. Bigger guy, four targets for him on the day. Uh, it seemed like they went his way a lot early and then kind of moved away from that when I guess maybe they figured out it wasn't working. I, if I'm Ohio State, I have all these athletes. I'm not taking 
probably like no offense to him probably the worst athlete and putting him in space like i don't know what they were thinking doing that with him yeah that that kind of surprised me too i can't imagine that's going to be a regular part of the game plan moving forward you know maybe they put him out there to to fake uh fake notre dame out like oh they're not gonna (laughs) they're not gonna expect this guy (laughs) he's he's a decoy their their offense was actually very weird and i i mean jsn got nicked up late so maybe things would have been different um and i would like to see the all 22 before i definitively make this conclusion but it looked like there were less of those like clear out routes that kind of leave a guy running wide open which is kind of the hallmark of those ohio state offenses you know they'll do a lot of like bunch formations uh kind of clear a space out get a guy out there in space one-on-one or one-on-zero and then let him cook it didn't seem like they were really setting these guys up with any of those opportunities this this weekend. Um, it was very, very interesting to watch. So we'll see what happens um, with them here the next couple of weeks. Notre Dame, I mean, Buckner got his first start, and the first drive and a half, two drives, he looked really good. Um, and then it kind of fell apart from there. They ran him a lot, but he didn't pick up a ton of yardage, 11 carries, only 18 yards. And then he was 10 for 18 as a passer. 177 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's that's a promising. He he was not making good decisions last year, but it didn't seem like Ohio State was completely was really scared of him at all. No, it really didn't. And, and like you said, he looked solid early. Um, you know, and he didn't really make any mistakes. He didn't really hurt Notre Dame, uh, which in a game like this is 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 a positive sign because uh, you know Ohio State. Yeah, their defense was got gashed at times last year, but Jim Knowles, they bring him in from Oklahoma state. He's a very good defensive coordinator. And I think you saw that in the Oklahoma game too, where they just kind of let central Michigan throw all over them. Um, so I think you saw the impact that Knowles had there. So him coming over there and I know Matt Bruning has been saying that, you know, when Jim Knowles goes places, it takes him a year to get there, but he also hasn't ever had the talent that Ohio State has had on that defense, you know. Bingo. So, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that you know this defense is much improved, um, especially with the scheme. So I think it was a good performance from Buckner that he didn't have any turnovers. He didn't cost this team, uh, and he he kind of kept them in it. You know, he he didn't hurt them. The splits for the running backs were about as annoying as we thought we would. It would be Chris Tyree, six carries, 28 yards, no scores. Estime, nine for 21. He did have a touchdown on the day, uh, a punch in from short, and Logan Diggs, four carries, nine yards. Um, not a lot of information to be drawn from it, but this, this, uh, this, we'll see what they look like against not Ohio State, but definitely struggled to run the ball. And if this t- offense can't run the ball, I'm not sure what they're going to do exactly. Like they don't have a lot of receiving options. Styles had one catch, a very big catch over 50 yards in the day. Mayor, you know, five for 32. But there's not a lot else they can do here. So they're going to have to figure something out on the ground there. They're going to be in some big trouble this year uh, for like as for their record, for fantasy purposes, for like getting some of these guys drafted high. Like I, this is going to be interesting to see exactly what they figure out because the defense looked good, but the offense did not match that. Yeah. Uh, if, like you said, if, if they're not running the ball, I don't know how they're going to move the ball offensively. Um, you know, the biggest concern we have with Buckner is his ability as a passer. Uh, so, you know, that's the question mark there. They really receiving only, their only proven receiving option that they have is their tight end Michael Mayer, 
We like Styles. He looked good in that bowl game, but that was really the only game he did it in. I, I think he will have better days moving forward against maybe a little bit lighter of a defense, but there is some, there's definitely cause for concern with this offense here this year. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about the the perils of that offense this offseason. Um, so we'll see if the, uh, the, the volume still ends up going to mayor here. Um, that, that might be their saving grace uh, in the receiving game. Um, just some other odds and ends news, Colin. Sam Hartman, quarterback, Wake Forest, is coming back this week. He's going to play. He's been cleared. So I think that's big news for anybody that um, was relying on like an A.T. Perry or something this offseason uh, for their fantasy team. Big, big news uh, there. Um, freshman wide receivers for Kentucky. Um some decent stat lines there for the two of them. Dane Key had uh, three or four catches, I believe. Barry and Brown had a very long kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, so they're both trending in the right direction there. Kentucky takes on uh, Florida this week. So um, we'll see if they they can hang with that step up in competition. Um, Oklahoma um, really spread the ball around this week, Colin. I mean, did you see kind of their, their splits in terms of who got what's? Uh, I didn't, but I did see that um, Marvin Mims didn't really do anything because uh, I had one league with uh, JSN, Marvin Mims, uh, Parker Washington, and uh, Xavier Worthy, and that did, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ouch. yeah, that didn't 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 go as well as I thought it was going to. Yeah, but... <laughs> a lot of a lot of the big receiving <laughs> options uh, really really hurt this week. Yeah, Mims had three catches. Theo Weiss had three catches. Um, and everybody else kind of had two or fewer. And then in the rush game, Eric Ray did have 16 carries, went over 100 yards, but then it was Marcus Major with seven, Javante Barnes with four, Gabriel had a few. So, I mean, this will be interesting to see if this offense ends up finding a couple of guys they rely on or if it's just difficult to start any of these Sooners week in, week out. Definitely going to be monitoring uh, that, and they get Kent State this week. So not a, uh, a great uh, defense there. And then Texas Tech is the other one I want to touch on here real quick, Colin. And I don't necessarily care about Murray State at all, so I didn't include this one in, like, our, our full breakdown section here. Um, Texas Tech threw the ball 75% of the time in neutral game script situations in this game, which, as Chris Moxley pointed out, would be the best ever if they did it over the course of an entire season. I think let's start with Tyler Shuck. Went down with an injury. Sounds like it's a collarbone again. Um, sounds like he's out for a few weeks here. Donovan Smith in relief, 14 for 16, 221 yards, four touchdowns through the air. I mean, is it Donovan Smith season? Is it? Do we accidentally get what we all had wished for many months ago? Well, we don't, if you're saying we, because that would include me. I've been wishing for Baron Morton. Um, uh, but I, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the injury to Shuck, uh, you know, shoulder injury, same injury that he had last year, really hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's kind of the reason why I thought Baron Morton was uh, a good, going to be a good play, you know, and he fits this system better. But Donovan Smith looked good. He ran the system well. He's a talented quarterback that wasn't really ever uh, anything that I was questioning necessarily. I was more questioning his fit in this offense and, you know, what his future would look like. But through one week, um, it does look like Donovan Smith, uh, is going to be delivering for all of his uh, his truthers out there. Now, they'll get Houston this week. Uh, then they get NC State next week, I believe. So a couple tougher tests coming up here. So we'll see how that shapes out for him. But uh, it was definitely a good start for him. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm all for it. Uh, we talked about, is he a match in this offense? Maybe, maybe, maybe. He maybe it doesn't matter. Significantly he's improved as a passer. I mean, they're going to pass the ball a lot regardless. Yeah. We'll we want see. this quarterback. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I still think I still have him left over from a couple teams last year. Definitely really happy about that. Um, leading receivers on this team. I So do you want to do you want to talk? Well, Jaron Bradley was one. Your guy was number two. Loic Fungi. Fungi. Man, you're just getting too good at this call. And I, I can't. Uh, we got to find a new name for you to butcher. Um, yeah. Target wise, no, that's plenty exactly, of them out there. Target wise, that's exactly how it broke out. Jaron Bradley had seven. He finished with six catches. Uh, Fungi had five. Miles Price had four targets. And then a bunch of guys had three and two. Um, they, 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 they really, really spread the ball around outside of those top two or three guys. Um, Price obviously did not have the day that anyone expected. Um, but I'm not dropping him yet. I'm actually starting him again this week. Somebody asked me that on Twitter yesterday. I think I'm starting Miles Price one more time here. And if he, if he, you know, fails again, then I will bench him until further notice. Um, but that slot guy in this offense, I still think is going to mean something. We'll just see if they look his way a little more often in this one. Yeah, I mean, they played Murray State this week. They didn't really need him. They didn't really need to to open up this offense and really let it cook, you know. So we'll, we'll see how it shapes out this week. Um, but I think it's definitely a positive sign for Jaron Bradley. You know, we'd been hearing a steady drumbeat for him. Um, as it got into the fall here, you know, there had been a lot of reports that he'd starting to look good. So I think this is the that's probably the big takeaway on this one. But um, PJ um, Dynasty PJ on Twitter, um, our mock draft guru over here, uh, does a, a snap count thread on on Twitter, and he highlighted Loic Fungi only had eleven snaps. Um, and I believe is what he had said in his thread, which is a little bit concerning. Now high usage on his snaps, see they get those five targets, um, but. You know, a little, little concerning on that front of things. So, uh, you know, I think if, if there's any takeaway from this, it's Jaron Bradley definitely over Fungi. And Fungi's the one I'm be a little bit more concerned with. Yeah, Bradley um, I, is looking like a really good option there. If he's available in your league or, or you think you have the ability to go get him, I would, I, be, would do uh, I would be looking into that pretty quickly. Yeah, six for 108 and two. Um, and he, he meshes pretty well with Donovan Smith, in my opinion, a little bit of a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's target, target Bradley there. Um, all right, Colin, I think, I think that does it here for, for news items. Obviously, again, we talked about this last week. We cannot possibly cover it all on this show guys. So you need to be kind of tuned into some of the other stuff that we got going on, uh, here at campus to Canton, go check out all the different shows. The Debbie show is going to be you know, more Debbie heavy guys, uh, chasing the natty every week with Jared going to be more cff focused so if you're looking for kind of some of this more specific advice definitely feel free to go listen to some of that stuff because we just we just can't uh cover it all but you know who does cover it all colin fantasy points media group which we are a part of here at campus to canton a ton of great shows over there um a ton of great content over at their website they've got college stuff this year now uh, a good team over there a really good team over there with uh with wes huber with jd yonke and with uh, joss josh we're Shandy Chevalier. That's just what we're rolling with. I don't care what it is. That's what we're doing on the show until he messages me separately and calls me a jerk. He's too nice oh, of a guy to do that. He is. Met him at the Expo. <laughs> Super nice guy. Uh, Campus 22 gets you 10% off if you sign up over there, guys. So go ahead, check out that. And then if you are at least just looking for the shows, at Fantasy Points Live on Twitter has all of them. 
uh, and they dropped the weekly Friday uh, uh, recap there. Um, stock up, stock down, Colin. Let's do some stock up, stock down here. Um, oh, you did finally get your names on here. Okay. Um, yeah, stock, stock up one. Well, at least this week you didn't just put a school name on here. So we're doing we're doing better than we did last week. Baby steps, baby steps. Uh, no, first stock up here for me. Uh, I have the JMU, James Madison University offense. Uh, man, they absolutely crushed Middle Tennessee State in their first game as an FBS team. Uh, Middle Tennessee, big test week one. For, hey, Middle Tennessee was, uh, they finished like seven and six last year, I think, or six and seven. Like, they weren't a bad team last year. They just said, okay, bro. We just, okay. they don't have anybody we want for fantasy. That's the thing. Um, but no, either way, they they handled him decisively. And, you know, Todd Santeo looked good. You know, he had six passing touchdowns. It's probably not repeatable uh, on the, the number of attempts he had. I believe it was 28, 29 attempts. Um, but he added something as a rusher there. You know, 110 yards on the ground. Also probably not repeatable from Todd Santeo. But the combination of the passing, the combination of the rushing, and the way this offense looked, uh, yeah, I think this is a stock up for him. Uh, obviously, Chris Thornton, monster, monster day. You know, he was a, a candidate for um, Campus to Canton's Player of the Week this week. The guy that I was uh, I, I was standing for a little bit there. He 12 catches, 155 yards, and three touchdowns. He had over half the receptions, over half of the yards, half of the touchdowns. Absolute monster. I believe at one point you uh, you were like, why are you starting Chris Thornton in a league? I think you may have mentioned that to me at one point. I called him a start last week. I don't think I ever said that. Did you? Yeah, he was one of my starts last week. Okay. Okay. Maybe it was off air, but I, I, I'd mentioned to you I was starting him in a league, and look at that. He blew this up. This never happened, guys. This he is blew up. total figment of imagination. It's not. It's not it happened. I have the That's, receipts. People, people know, Colin, by now, we're this far into the show that you're just kind of full of crap, and I think that this is just such a a like you can just see through this is so transparent what you're trying to do right now i don't even know what i'm trying to do right now so i don't think anybody else knows but uh either way chris thornton huge day uh massive part of this offense i think he's going to be a wide receiver one candidate for the rest of the year you know uh, based on one week here looked great huge part of this offense and then you know percy uh, a beast, a guy, a beast. I can't pronounce that one. There it is. Didn't take us long. Um, you know, he didn't have a great day statistically, but he was efficient on the ground. Um, he had over 80 yards. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's a, a guy that will, is definitely rosterable here. You know, that was one of Chris Moxley's guys. Um, yeah, just, just all around great performance from the James Madison uh, Dukes. Yeah, a really, really well-rounded performance there overall. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna—I talk about Thornton a little bit uh, in in my key takeaways article that a ton of targets this week, um, and very, very you know did a lot with each of them. So, so big week there for him. I'm going Bryce Ford, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Colin. You know, we like the the guy that catches or that uh, that's getting the most targets in a. Uh, and a Graham Harrell offense there at, at uh, formerly USC, now West Virginia. Um, eight, 16 carries or 16 targets on the week, a 40% target share percentage. He had obviously the really bad drop at the end of the game, 
right into the defensive back's hands, take it back to the pick six, like, ouch, that ends up costing them a game. But at the same time, um, you know, just what was very, very productive. Had They looked his way in the red zone. They looked his way, you know, in between the 20s. Like, they, they just really went his way early and often. It was clearly JT Daniels' favorite target. He is a big athletic guy there, 6'3", like 210 pounds. I think it's a big stock up for him. If he still has Daniel's trust, which I think he probably does, you know, if he does this again, then maybe he's in some trouble, but I still think, you know, going into this, going into next week, I think he established himself as the wide receiver one there. The wide receiver one in this offense can catch anywhere from 60 to hundred plus balls. And they can get anywhere from like 900 to like 1400 yards. Think Drake London, think Michael Pittman. That's kind of the role that he's in. Uh, they, they produce some other guys there too. Vaughn's was very productive there. Amon Ross St. Brown was very productive there. I mean, they they that offense just produces high-end wide receiver play. If he's the wide receiver one there, then I think that's a guy that you should really be targeting. So I think he's a big stock up for for me. And I think I think he he has a chance to be a you know wide receiver two this year for fantasy, maybe even higher than that. Yeah, I mean I- I think at this point it might be a little bit tough to to trade for him because people just saw that that performance. Um, and but but I, I think it is definitely worth exploring there because, like you said, the uh, the wide receiver one in in um, Harold's offense has a, a very high ceiling. Um, stock up number two for me is Montrell Johnson, uh, running back for Florida. There, um, this is a little bit more from a Devi perspective. Um, you know, from a C2C perspective, obviously there's Devi component to that too. So stock up there from a CFF perspective, you know, a little bit worried about his, the touch distribution overall. Um, but he was the leading rusher, uh, in terms of carries in this game. Now, you know, Anthony Richardson, 11 carries 106 yards, three rushing touchdowns. That's, you know, insane. And that's going to limit his production in general, but, uh, he was, way more efficient than Naquan Wright, the guy that we had heard was going to be the lead on this depth chart. Uh, he was listed by himself atop the depth chart when they released it pregame. Um, but Montreal Johnson had more carries, 12 for 75 and a touchdown. Uh, he had one catch for 14 yards there, uh, but he just looked good. He just he grounded out. And against, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, a good Utah defense. Um, so, you know, I think this is a, a good performance from a guy that we had started to cool on a little bit. And I think this just kind of kind of kind of keeps keeps the flame going a little bit. My second stock up on Terry Wilson, wide receiver of Florida State. And I, I think this comes a little bit of a caveat. You know, I want to see him do another game or two here before I'm locked in on him. But if he ends up taking the starting wide receiver job here, I think that it can be pretty a pretty productive guy here for the season. I think, you know, we said before the season, I don't know if I want to roster any of these wide receivers. They, they brought in a lot of transfers, Michael Pittman in, from Oregon, Johnny Wilson in from Arizona State. Uh, Malik McLean was already there. Um, and and, uh, and Wilson, who's been there, this is his fifth year. Like, he's been there forever. He's never really broken out. But this this week, seven catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Had a bonkers one-handed uh, touchdown catch that was just really, really nice. Um, but, but Travis Jay looked his way early and often. Uh, or sorry, Travis. They, so they, Travis. Yeah, they have a, a safety that's their name, Travis J. At the same time, which is just <laughs> not cool. Yeah, Jordan Travis. I looked his way. I think they had a pretty good connection there. Um, he's a pretty solid athlete. Like I, I think, you know, just overall, 
kind of fits that do-it-all mold. Whereas I think some of the other guys like Micah Pittman is a little more typecast as a deep guy. I think Johnny Wilson is a little more of a jump ball guy. Wilson can do a little bit of everything in that offense. Um, I think that the, the issue is going to be, can that offense be consistent from week to week? That's going to be a big question. Although they looked pretty good against, against LSU here. So we'll see if that can continue. But I, I liked what I saw from Wilson. Not all in on him yet. But I bet he's probably a free agent in a lot of your leagues. And I'm yeah. at least hitting that little star icon next to his name. And if I've got a team that maybe is unlimited waivers, then yeah, I'm probably I'm probably churning some bottom roster spots. And he's a guy that I'd be willing to go after. Or heck, if you lost a bunch of your guys to IR this week, and you can shift them over. He's a guy that you can kind of bring into to, to fill a hole there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you picked Ontario Wilson this week. I picked the, the running backs last week. Is, is Florida State actually back? He just Maybe. beat LSU. We talked all season, all offseason about Jordan Travis too, and he's looking very good the past couple yeah. weeks. So yeah, we're for for better or worse, you and I are are pretty high on this Florida State offense. Um, you know, maybe they don't have a guy that you love to trust week in and week out, but they have some really nice pieces, and I think overall as a unit, this offense is going to be much improved, and this Florida State team I think is going to be better too. You know, maybe. Maybe they don't hit eight wins, but you know I think seven wins very comfortable for them, and it's a it's 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 a heading in the right direction with Mike Norvell. Yeah, it's, they they play a tough schedule there, but but yeah. LSU a nice win there uh, putting their belt uh, stock down, Colin. Uh, stock down for me. First guy here is a guy that I've been hanging on to um, for for a while as not panicking on him. Um, I've been a very staunch supporter of him. It's Jackson Dart quarterback for Ole Miss. Uh, look, he got the start week one here. You know, that's a good sign. Wasn't ready to panic on him, but man, against Troy, 18 for 27 for 154 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 5.7 yards per attempt, and he just looked timid. He looked afraid to make mistakes out there, and that's not who Jackson Dart is. Jackson Dart was a gunslinger. We liked Jackson Dart coming out because he had a, a nice arm. You know, he was mobile. He's moving around there. He fit the modern game. He wasn't afraid to test some windows. And that's not the quarterback we saw against Troy. Jackson Dart is playing like he doesn't want to lose this job. He's not playing like he wants to seize this job. And I don't know if that is him in his head or if that is Lane Kiffin trying to rein him in or, or what is going on with this here. But I'm concerned. I, I am concerned at this point. You know, Luke Altmeyer is supposedly getting the start next week. Um, if Luke Altmeyer, Luke Altmeyer is the type of quarterback that is going to run this offense effectively. It's not going to be flashy, but he's just going to move the chains, going to keep you on schedule. And it, it, Jackson Dart is trying to play Luke Altmeyer's game, and Luke Altmeyer is going to beat him at his game. If Dart doesn't, you know, shake whatever's going on with his confidence here and get back to who he is as a quarterback. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be moving him pretty far down, not moving him that far down right now. Uh, I might move him one or two spots, but uh, I, like I said, panic meter on him is, is at you know, like a six, seven right now. Oh, we're way up the panic meter. We are. Um, Jake Daniels, my first stock down here and look, his stat line doesn't look that bad. If you just look at the box score, 26 for 35, 209 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And he had 114 yards on the ground. I turned this game off about halfway through the fourth quarter. Cause quite frank, frankly, I was tired and I wasn't going to stay up to watch this crap fest of a game. <laughs> um, Jaden Daniels was awful. 
he was terrible. He was not accurate. Uh, he was frustrating his receivers with, with what he was doing out there. As soon as he felt an inch of pressure, he was leaving the pocket. Like these are the developmental things that we've wanted to see fixed from him over the past couple of years. And we said, you're free. You're free from Herm Edwards now. Free elf, go forth and prosper. And there was no improvement there. And it did, did Herm just, you know, irreparably damage him over the last couple of years? Maybe, maybe some of the biggest years for his development uh, were spent just handing the ball off uh, and kind of making very uh, basic reads. But he hasn't shown the ability to do more than that. I don't think they're going to ask him to do that consistently at LSU. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that consistently at LSU. This offense was rough at times. Man, I, I he, he can run, but as a passer, just bleh. Just really, really bleh. I, I think I'm completely, completely out. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm completely out on Daniels as well. Now, they play Southern this week, so I think he's going to have a nice performance this week. I mean, Southern is, is not a good team. Uh, it'll be kind of a get right game, you know, then, you know, maybe it'll, people, it might quell the waters a little bit. That's your sell window. Um, if he has a really nice game this week, I'm selling him immediately because I am, I am also very much out on Jaden Daniels. Uh, my next stock down here is a guy that I'm not out on, um, you know, panic meter, it may be like a three on this guy here, maybe, you know, but it's Parker Washington wide receiver for. Penn State. Uh, he went two for 30 in this game. Uh, you know, Penn State threw the ball 41 times. Clifford only completed 22 of those passes. Uh, not the best showing on his end. But the most concerning part of this is he was fourth in targets uh, behind Mitchell Tinsley's 12, Keandre Lambert Smith's eight, and even tight end Tyler Warren had five. Um, you know, I think there's better days overall ahead for Parker Washington. I don't think he's going to consistently be fourth on the team in targets here. Uh, you know, he's going to settle in in the top two, I think, in targets by the for the end of the year. Um, but the days of anybody thinking he was going to be a Jahan Dotson lights or, you know, the clear cut wide receiver one in this offense are looking pretty slim right now. Uh, like I said, I think he'll have some better days. He's still going to have some startable weeks at times, but. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit concerned uh, with with Parker Washington. My last one here is is Tyler Shuck. We talked about it earlier. The injury, you know, literally any ounce of value that he ever possessed was wrapped up in the fact that he was a quarterback here for an Achilles offense. Sounds like you know he's out for the next few weeks. I think he's going to lose his job while he's gone. I think he's not going to get it back because he's not that good in the first place. Support went out for Tyler Shuck. If you got him in any sort of long-term uh, format, obviously you can probably put him on IR. But uh, if you were relying on him as kind of not 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 too deep a quarterback and, and he was your guy, uh, you might want to start playing him for next year, really scouring that waiver wire because uh, I, I think that that is officially over. Um, big, big stock down for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a shame with the injury there, you know, because I agree. I think he's going to get uh, going to get Wally pipped here. You know, he's not he's not the type of player that you, as soon as he's back, you put him right back in. If Donovan Smith keeps his offense rolling well, or if Donovan Smith struggles and Baron Morton comes in and Baron Morton keeps his offense running well, I don't think Shuck gets his job back. He would need both Smith and Morton to fall flat on their face. Now, if Shuck comes back in like three weeks, 
you know, like I said, Smith and, and Morton, they're going to win up against two of Texas Tech's tougher matchups, at least defensively in Houston. And although Frank Harris kind of lit up Houston, but still think Houston's a good team. And then North Carolina State. Um, so those aren't easy matchups, but I feel pretty confident Shuck is, is not going to get this job back. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's head into waiver wire here, Colin. We've got so fan tracks. As far as I know, I haven't looked yet tip this evening, but they did not have any of their roster percentage numbers up. So we're kind of going blind on some of these. Um, but I think we got some good names for you guys. And again, I did wrote an article for this this week. Colin did the waiver wire college football morning show. So if you're looking for another piece on that, um, go ahead and check those out. These are going to be somewhat similar names for you. Let's start with Charlie Jones, Connor, or yeah, Connor. Colin, Charlie Jones has been around the block, guys. He was at Buffalo from 2017 to 2018. Then he was from I he was at Iowa for the couple years after that. Now he's settling in at Purdue for his final year in college. Um, you know, a little early to uh, uh, to say for sure that he's going to be the guy there, but uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about projecting it at this point. 12 catches, 153 yards, one touchdown. This is an offense that we want the leading receiver in. They're going to pass the ball a ton. They pass the ball almost 60 times in this one. Uh, and if Jones does end up, end up being that guy, that's an incredibly, incredibly valuable player. And he's he's available on, on pretty much 80% of the league's diamond. So I think um, I, I'd be looking his way if you if you uh, really want to make a selection. That one can go for whether you're in four pickups a year, whether, I mean, some of them, you know, maybe it's not time. You have a couple more weeks. But, like, limited waivers, he's still a guy I'm targeting. I don't care. 40% of budget-ish. I think it was the projection I gave him an article. That feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chuck Sizzle, top of the list of the waiver wire ad this week. Um, and, you know, similarly to Daywood Davis, like we talked about last week, you know, we're we're spending up on this guy because this is a guy who can play for you and start for you every week. Uh, he just had such an obvious connection with O'Connell. Um, you know, I, I, on the waiver wire show, I said I would even 30 to 40 is where I would look to, to spend on him. But if I'm like one piece away um, from being, you know, from feeling like I'm the top team in the league, I would even spend up to 50% on him because this team is going to throw the ball a lot. They could not run the ball. Now Penn State's is a good defense, um, but this team's going to throw the ball a lot. And he was just far and away the, the top target there. There were, there was one throw where Aiden O'Connell threw it into triple coverage into his own and to Chuck, uh, Charlie Jones Jr. and he still caught it somehow, so he's going to be targeted early and often all year. Um, CJ Donaldson, you targeting him on waivers this week, Colin? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, he was our campus Canton freshman of the week this week. Um, big game, seven carries, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He only saw 15 snaps, um, but the, the thing that makes me put him as as a ad in all pretty much all waiver formats for me is he is tight end eligibility as a running back. Um, I think he's going to continue to get more, more and more work in this offense all year. Uh, And, you know, having a running back, being able to play them at tight end is just way more reliable and consistent than anybody you're going to get up off of waivers at any point in time. And way more consistent than a lot of tight ends across the league. The catch 22 is going to be, if they keep him around that seven uh, touches, then it's probably unlikely that he goes for 125 every week. But I mean, he looked really good. I had I'd have a hard time believing they don't increase his role at some point. He looked, he outperformed Mathis Jr., um, the other running back there at West Virginia. Um, so CJ Donaldson, I mean, 
240 pounds, like big boy, moves very well athletically. Uh, very intriguing player. Wasn't really on my radar at all, um, but obviously opened my eyes up uh, pretty quick, pretty quick in that one. So yeah, CJ Donaldson, percentage wise, calling 20, 30 percent. Yeah, I'd, I'd said I would spend like up to twenty percent on uh-huh. him. Um, there's the like you said, there's this, this slight touch concern, and, and you know how how is how involved is he going to be, and how long is it going to take for him to get significantly more involved? But uh, that that cheat code eligibility is just is really nice. Yeah, the other the other name that we have is kind of a a guy that you really should be targeting is Todd Santeo, the James Madison there. He's bounced around quite a bit in his career, and Colin, you kind of highlighted what he did earlier. Six passing touchdowns, uh, just short of 300 yards there, and then another 110 on the ground. Obviously not going to do that every week, but Sun Belt, Fun Belt, um, definitely a chance uh, for him to continue to produce there. Um, so, so yeah, Todd Santeo, definitely a guy if you just lost Tyler Shuck. You need another uh, need another guy there. He, he's uh, someone to go looking for. Um, watch list slash depends on what your waiver situation is here. Um, quite a few names. Um, some that were in my article. Some that you talked about yesterday. Uh, uh, anyone stand out to you here, you here on this list, Colin? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll highlight the uh, Oregon State tight end Luke Musgrave. Um, he was on the field for fifty-two offensive snaps. Um, 13 of those were in the slot, four of them out wide, ran a route on 21 of his 26 passing snap down snaps. He's most targeted player on this team, six catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I think Oregon State is is going to get the running game going again. They're going to be a more run heavy team overall, but Musgrave's usage at the tight end position uh, is is really intriguing. I actually listed him as a player that I would add. I, I wouldn't spend a ton, you know, maybe like 10 max 15 percent of my budget on him um but you know he wasn't a player that you listed so we'll we'll watch list him um what do you think of the indiana wide receivers calling i like both of those guys uh indiana wide receivers cam camper and and dj matthews um indiana is a team that they struggled to run the ball on this one struggle (laughs) <laughs> that's that's a kind way to put it uh they they really did not run the ball well in this one they're a team that is, is not going to be good their defense not great either uh they're gonna have to throw more often than they want to and with the target concentration being so strong on these guys uh camper had 17 targets matthews had 12 uh i think they're both worth an ad in unlimited waiver pickup leagues for sure. And then, you know, a watch list in, um, in limited waiver pickup leagues. Yeah. Camper. You love to see it. A guy who, um, when Juco had zero stars coming out of high school, ended up becoming the fourth, uh, rated, uh, Juco wide receiver according to 24 seven. And he was either one or two, according to the composite, um, gets to go there to Indiana, and uh, plays well early. So really, really happy uh, for him. Hopefully he can continue it. Just some other names to throw out here, guys. Roman Hemby, the running back at Maryland, had a really nice day on very few touches. We'll see if that can continue. Um, Rodney Hammond, the running back at Pitt, I think is a really interesting guy if he takes that job over from Izzy Abanaconda. He was more effective in his role. He did get injured at the end of the game. No update on that. So we'll see, you know. Maybe you're not rushing to get him if he's out four to six weeks or something, but a, a very interesting player there. Um, I don't know. Anybody else that just stands out to you real quick, Colin, before I move on? 
Um, yeah, I'll just I'll highlight uh, two just real quick. Um, Daniel Richardson, quarterback, Central Michigan. Um, now they got behind big early against Oklahoma State this week. So Richardson had to throw the ball 49 times. That's not really going to happen again. This is still going to be Lou Nichols offense. But Richardson was very efficient, completed 73% of his passes. Uh, and, you know, as you get into Mac play, you know, he could carve up some of these Mac defenses. So he's definitely a guy that I'm watching. Uh, and then QB Kyle Van Treese uh, for Georgia Southern. He transferred in from Buffalo this offseason. Um, former USC head coach Clay Helton is now the head coach there for Georgia Southern. So this is a team that's going to want to throw the ball a lot. Uh, they beat up on FCS school Morgan State this week. But, you know, Vantries look good. They're going to want to throw the ball. I want to see it against a better opponent, but I'm definitely watching this one. Good shots there. Um, let's head on here, Colin. Next segment, we've got two left here in the show for you guys. First up, one that we did not do last week, but we do for the first couple weeks here of the season called Real or Imagined, where we're going to take a storyline here from this week, and we're going to basically say, is this a real story? Will this guy continue to or not continue to do uh, uh, what he did week one? Um, let's start with quarterback here, Colin. Quarterback Mike Wright from Vanderbilt, two really, really big weeks in a row. Um, the the uh, flip side of that coin is that he's played Elon and Hawaii. So the question is this, Colin. Mike Wright has two big weeks in a row. His production is going to be sustainable for him in conference play, right? No. Not at all? Um, his rushing ability definitely gives him uh, a nice floor uh, as a rusher, but I don't think he has that high of a ceiling when you get into sec play. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see him having these passing game performances like he's having now. And I don't know. Uh, these sec defenses aren't going to be scared of him as a passer. So they're going to try to contain him as a rusher. I, I mean, he has another, you know, nice matchup um, coming up here, but then he gets in two of his next three, uh, he gets Alabama and Georgia um, after this week. So it's like, I think it's Alabama and then another game and then Georgia. And you're not going to want to start him in either of those. So I think it's more of imagined. So, you know, around those two games, though, Colin, he has Wake Forest this week. Not mm -hmm. a great defense. He has Northern Illinois the week after that. Then he has Bama, Ole Miss, Georgia. Then he has Missouri. So over the next six games, I think there's three that you could conceivably play him in and expect pretty solid production. So um, I, I'm going to say that that I think he can, with the caveat that, like you were talking about earlier, and I forget who you who you would refer to this with, there are obvious games where you don't want to start him. Oh, it's but Jefferson. But. Yeah, but there are also going to be a ton of games where you don't mind. I mean, they, Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is anything special defensively. I think he can do well against them and that they'll, they'll be down. Uh, South Carolina, I think, was another interesting one. Um, the other two games on their schedule, Kentucky and, and Florida, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I think there, there's a handful of games left that you'd still want to start him in. I know we, I was a little hesitant last week, but um, yes, the game against Elon convinced the game against Elon. I am. That, look at you. I I'm glad to see him carving up some good competition there and that that's really what sold you. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. Malik Cunningham was just terrible against Syracuse this week, Colin. Um, we talked all offseason about him possibly regressing a little bit, that he probably, what he did last year wasn't sustainable. 
Um, so we are worried about Malik Cunningham after week one, Colin. Um, no, I'm not. Panic meter. Beep, 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 <laughs> panic beep, meter, probably beep, at like a, a two, for CFF purposes, probably like a two or a three. I mean, this dude is just electric on the ground and, you know, he'll get better as a passer. You know, I don't know what Syracuse defense did that just flummoxed the entire Louisville offense, but that team's going to have better days. Um, I'm not overly worried about Malik Cunningham from a CFF perspective. I was never really in on him from a Debbie perspective. So, you know, if you want to say you're panicked about that, if, if you were a believer in him, then I would probably be a little panicked about that. But uh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not overreacting. Um, I agree. I agree. I don't know what his prize picks line has moved to. It opened at 19 and a half fantasy points for this week. And that seems low. Smash. Yeah, I, I feel pretty happy about uh, taking the over on that one. So um, I agree. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Bonus question here. We're only going to do two per position, but I, I had to throw this one in here. Um, Michael Panix had a pretty nice week there for Washington. Again, not a great uh, team that they played this week defensively, uh, but we should be buying Michael Panix. Um, CF purposes, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think – we talked about it a lot. Uh, you know, we liked Kalen DeBoer to Washington. I think this was one of the most underrated hires of this cycle. I think this was a really nice hire by them. I think this is a, a really nice way to get their offense back on track. Um, you know, and we liked a lot of the pieces in this offense. I never really doubted Michael Penix's ability to put up some numbers as, especially in, in some poor matchups, you know, Kent state is not a good defense at all. What? Um, <laughs> um, so I, I kind of always figured he was going to put up some numbers there. It's more just the health, you know, can he stay healthy? Uh, he had, he is so far. And as long as he's healthy, I think you could roll him out there, especially this coming week against uh, Norfolk state. I have two questions here running back for you calling on one player. First off, uh, Jade, not, Looked pretty good for Cal this weekend. Uh, ended up getting the the most snaps and touches in that backfield. So two-pronged question for you, Colin. Jade Knott's going to be a startable player for you in CFF this season, and Jade Knott should be valued as a top five back in his class already. Um, so I'll tackle the the second part of that one first. No, not a top five back in that class. Should he top be 10? higher? Um no, I don't think I'm putting him top 10 yet. Top 15, I feel comfortable with. Maybe up as high as 12. I haven't like adjusted my rankings from this past weekend yet. Um, but it, regardless, we were too low on Jaden Ott. Um, you know, every most of the community was too low on Jaden Ott. Um, so I think he needs to rise up uh, the rankings a little bit here. Uh, in terms of the first one there, is he a player that we're going to want to start each week for CFF probably not regularly there's going to be matchups where you can start him and you're not going to hate yourself for it uh at least this year I think he's looking better for for 2023 I mean there's just very few freshman running backs that come out and are right out of the gate um guys that you want to start in the CFF you know Travion was one last year Braylon Allen 
was one who he took a little bit to get going, but then obviously won Will Shipley. But then outside of those guys, like I don't really want to start that many other freshmen. Um, give him until 2023, and then I think he'll be a, a weekly guy that you can start. The counterpoint to that is that um, a lot of the other running backs never really took control of a backfield. You know, we really liked Raheem Sanders. He never got he never really got over like 40 percent of that backfield. Devin Neal, kind of the same, and he was also on a uh, not really very good team. Cal is kind of a, a middle of the road team, which I think is interesting. And I mean, 17 carries for 104 yards and then two catches for 26 and a touchdown. It's a pretty good week. It is. It is UC Davis. Obviously, that's not a a great team to play against, but I just think the split of that backfield um, is really, really, really nice. And there were times last year where you wanted to start a Cal running back. Damian Moore, the kind of the other guy there, can't hold on to the football. Um, no. And that staff has given him chances, and he's not really taking advantage of them. On, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a sneaky guy. I think they're. I think he could be a flex guy at times this year, you know, depending on how how many guys you have to roll out there. If it's, you know, 11, 12, 13, like some of these leagues, I think I have one league where I start like 15 guys a week. Then I'm Oof. in those leagues, 100%. Um, but I, I think he can be a guy at, at times this year if he really holds on to this this job. And I think this offense has some interesting guys on. I think we've talked about that a little bit this offseason. So, uh, and I think this automatically in like pure C2C rankings, if I see another week or two of this, I, I think he'd be a top 10 back in this class for me. Because at minimum, you know, he's going to be a starting running back on a pretty decent yeah. offense with a pretty decent workload for the next three to four years, which is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Given another two to three weeks, I, I could I could move him into my top 10. All right, Colin. Second one here. We talked about this earlier. Raheem Sanders had himself a nice week. Uh, his first week kind of is the bell cow there. Uh, Raheem Sanders is a top three running back in his class. Oh, man, that's tough because that's right on the fringe there. Travion head. We don't ask easy questions around here, Colin. Travion head and shoulders RB one, not even close. Um, Will Shipley didn't look great last night. Not really ready to write him off yet, but him and Braylon Allen, I think, are still ahead of Rocket Sanders for me. So I'll I'll keep Rocket Sanders at, at four. So no, he's not a top three back right now, but. You know, uh, if Shipley doesn't look any better or if Rocket Sanders just continues to dominate the carries even after Dominic Johnson gets back, I'm willing to reassess that one. What does Shipley do better other than having more stars coming into college? Um, I mean, I think he is a better like route runner as a as a running back, I think he he's more he's somebody that you can split out wide a little bit more and do a little bit more with him. Now, Rocket Sanders was a wide receiver originally coming in, um, but and then I think Shipley probably runs a better forty, but uh, Sanders better size, just as athlete. Um, but we've just seen it, you know, last year from Shipley when he was healthy. Uh, he struggled this year, week one here. So you know, we'll see if he can continue that, but. He looked good when he was um, healthy last year. I don't think the RB2 in this class is locked in yet. I think there's still some debate. You know, is it Braylon Allen? Is it Will Shipley? Is it somebody else? I think Raheem Sanders could take that take that spot in this class. I mean, I think he's kind of the best of both worlds there, where I think he's a bigger guy. Like, we, we love his size already. We like his size more than Will Shipley. Um, I think he's a better athlete than Braylon Allen. I think he can catch the ball. I think he's very well-rounded. I think he's just a really intriguing guy. Um, so I'm going to say 
Yes, I'm going to say yes. Raheem Sanders is a top three running back in this class as of today, uh, from like a NFL Ooh. draft perspective. He when when some of these guys come back, maybe he doesn't quite get the CFF load. But I mean, it didn't look like Clemson necessarily wanted to give it to Shipley last night either. They ran a lot of film off. Uh, so um, I don't know. I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah. So so Shipley's the guy you would bump out of that top three. You got Allen at two. Maybe Sanders. one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. Okay. One of the two. Okay. And Al Allen just like the the thing that really helps his value is that he he's going to run for fifteen hundred yards the next two years. Like it's, yeah, just yeah. A, it's a it's a fact of life. As long as he doesn't get hurt, yep. that's what he's going to do. He's big. Um, he's fast. So, he's he's a Wisconsin fast. running back he's who's going to run fast. for fifteen hundred yards. Did you see that they only got him at like twenty point one miles per hour this weekend? Like he's not that fast. Um, I mean twenty point one is is good for what's he like two forty two thirty? He I think he's listed under two forty. Yeah. Okay, so he's like 230, 235. For a guy that big, I mean, I think 20.1 is is pretty solid. Now, so Rocket here, Sanders. Here would be my question for you, Colin. Does the jump from 220 to 235 pounds weigh, like, is that better than the jump from, like, 20.1 miles per hour to, like, 20.7 or whatever, which Raheem Sanders probably runs? Like, which is more... Like, does that extra 15 pounds mean anything? No. I don't think it does. I think the extra miles per hour at some point means something, especially mm -hmm. when 20, 20.1, it's not slow, but it's, that's not fast. Like, that's kind of like what I would expect from a guy that has any sort of NFL aspirations. I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm here to okay. stir the pot. That's fair. That's fair. Um, wide receiver questions, Colin. We talked about both of these players already um but the first one has two names in it here so cam camper dj matthews at indiana they both had those big games this weekend ground game struggled and we said that that's a gentle way of saying it both cam camper and dj matthews will be will be fantasy relevant this year um fantasy relevant is an ambiguous term. I was going to say, yes. that's a loose enough yes. term that I can uh, maneuver my way out of this at some point if I, ne if I need to. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I do think they will both be fantasy relevant this year. Are you going to okay. want to start both of them every given week? No, probably not. Uh, I do really like Cam Camper's 17 targets. I, I think that was really nice. Uh, when you have 17 targets, odds are pretty good you're going to score a touchdown. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I think Cam Camper is a guy that is going to be startable for you most weeks moving forward here. And DJ Matthews will be a guy that you can start um, from, you know, time to time. So, yes, they will both be fantasy relevant. Um, Chris Thornton, Colin, we talked about him earlier as well. Chris Thornton has a decent chance, there's another wiggle room, to be the wide receiver one for fantasy this year. Man, you are just letting me wiggle my way out of wiggle, anything yes. with this one. You're just let's play. You're giving what, what me is, so what, much room. This what is, is the, the first class on, flight here? What is the game on um, on Always Sunny? Where uh, night or night crawlers? Yeah, night crawlers. Night crawlers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris Thornton finished as the wide receiver the, one. The capital T, you know, like the Ohio State fans like to do. Um. So James Madison, their two uh, next, their two toughest defenses this year, uh, Louisville, who just got shredded by uh, Syracuse and Garrett Schrader, and Coastal Carolina. 
Coastal Carolina, probably a tough matchup. Um, sure. They'll know, be down in that game probably. Which they'll be nice. down in that game though. I mean, if, if we're putting decent, I think there's like a, a 15% chance that he could finish as the wide receiver one. Um, I would call that pretty decent. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance too. And it's really interesting. <clears throat> My voice keeps going when I talk about Chris Thornton. Maybe, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm not your, supposed to be your, saying Your this. heart's fluttering. The thing about Thornton is the way that he got targets. He had an ADOT of 12.8, so right around 13 yards, which, which is not like a – it's a good ADOT. Like that's like solidly kind of in the range that you would want it in. Like you don't want like an ADOT of like four and then like 19 or 20 suggests that maybe, um, you know, they're kind of more typecasted as a deep role. But that 12.8 is kind of the sweet spot where he's really working that intermediate stuff. He plays as a slot guy in that offense, so I think that is helpful in terms of, you know, getting open and kind of versatility of role and skill set. I think there's a decent chance that he does finish as the wide receiver one overall. And I'm actually going this week, I'm making aggressive offers for Chris Thornton, like aggressive relative. Like I'm not, not paying out the butt for him, but um, <laughs> I, if I like, I'm going to pay probably what over what he's worth right now, because I think there is a chance and it's a solid chance. You know, I don't want to give any player. It's not like tiger versus the field here, <laughs> but 15% chance. That doesn't sound ridiculous. I think in that yeah. range, feels pretty decent i mean just looking at some of the other guys that are going to contend for it i think he's he's definitely up there um yeah so yeah i i like his chances and again i'm going to be aggressively pursuing him i don't think i'm in a lot of leagues with people that that are like members of c2c so i, I can disseminate this information and still still get my guy well i know sal listens because he uh he made sure he, he noted how much uh how, how much i said to spend on david davis and he spent over that um of, of our budget yeah yeah i spent um it was a little over 30 percent of the budget and he spent just under 50. wow aggressive mm -hmm. i paid five percent for austin bolt so um Oof. it didn't quite work out like i wanted it to by the way hey, for a poor injury this weekend process um, over results so done for the year there um all right colin finally the moment everyone's been waiting for here early week starts sits um rough so we actually both did very well on our starts last week you went seven and three i went six and four that's about you know we're trying to shoot 60 65 on this so we both did pretty well there sits were what really got us call and i only got yeah. three of my 10 sits correct and you only got three as well actually yeah. uh really struggled on the sits so overall colin you went 10 and 10 i went 9 and 11 again for anybody uh, that needs a refresher we uh we we each pick 10 starts 10 sits we do not keep each other these lists ahead of time we can have the same name that's okay um and uh these are non-obvious starts so it's not start Bijan. uh could be sit Bijan. um you know maybe a tough matchup but it, it, it's non-obvious starts sits here colin you always kick us off on the starts so why don't you go ahead who is your first start this week uh yeah so my first start this week is chris thornton um, you know, kind of a wow, cheat one, here. One week late, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, kind of a cheat here, but you know they play Norfolk State, uh, and this like we just talked about. I, th I think Chris Thornton it can be the wide receiver one this year, which I don't think that's a popular take out there. Uh, I think if you had Chris Thornton, you know, you were probably going to start him here, but you should definitely start Chris Thornton. First name on the team sheet, as they say in soccer. Um, yep. I'm going to start, and this is a big name, but I don't think you were necessarily wanting to start him until the the uh, what happened this past week. But I'm I'm starting in Mecca Buka and not thinking twice about it this week with JSN probably out. I think he's going to be the chain mover for them. 
I think another, you know, 990 in one stat line is very within his range of outcomes and I actually would expect uh, a little bit him to be a little more explosive in this one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you can start at Buka um, and, and not really have to second guess it too much. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, my next one, I'm going to start uh, Clay Millen. Um, they, he, you know, last week struggled predictably against Michigan. 16 of 20, 137, one touchdown, one interception. Um, they play Middle Tennessee State this week. Uh, you know who played Middle Tennessee State last week? James Madison. Yep. You know who shredded Middle Tennessee State? James Madison. Clay Millen um, can put up some monster numbers this week. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm starting Torrey Horton. He had eight targets last week, was their leading uh, target receiver. Uh, did end up actually scoring a touchdown in that Michigan game. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for him this week. Um, Torrey Horton's, I'm, I'm sliding him right into my starting lineup and not thinking twice about it. Yeah, I almost I almost said the Colorado State passing attack, but that has gotten me uh, a couple of times. That got me every single time I said it last week. Akron running backs. That one, I maintain that the Akron running backs counts as a hit. Johnson Norris didn't play. And when when we do these, if that guy, oh, I'm sorry, play, you want me to you want me to pat you on the back for saying start a guy that didn't play? Only you would make that argument on the show. He didn't. Colin. He didn't. Only play. you. He didn't play. Yeah, anytime, absolutely. anytime we have so guys somebody who started up. Guess what? They got zero points, Colin. Unless you have the auto sub feature, but anytime we've done this where it said uh, where somebody didn't play due to injury, we wipe that one. No. So we wipe John Norris. Cam Wiley gets gets gets. No, we did not get count. We should have. I'm. Uh, this is under protest. If I lose by one, I will. I will be writing a letter to the office. Okay. Um, my next start here is Darren Granger, quarterback for Georgia State. Uh, he's a dual threat guy. He's got some rushing ability here, friend of but the show. yeah, friend of the show. Um, but the the big thing here is he plays UNC. UNC's defense is bad. Like bad, bad. Uh, they gave up 361 passing yards against App State this week. App State not known for throwing the ball. Uh, they lost all three wide receivers from last year. It's not a particularly potent passing offense. They put up 40 points in the fourth quarter alone. That's insane. And then the week before that, UNC's defense gave up 279 yards passing to FAMU, who was missing like 20 players. Like this is an FCS team missing twenty players. Like I, the UNC's defense is terrible. This is going to be the Missouri of last year. I'm only going to get a couple of these, so I'm taking advantage of them now. I'm starting everybody I can against UNC. All right. Well, I am starting Isaiah Williams, wide receiver at Illinois. I think UVA is probably not great defensively. This is potentially a high scoring game. I think the books have it at about fifty seven uh, point game total. Um, so, so decently uh, high scoring. Um, and Williams has been the main target. I wrote about this. Uh, actually, that article hasn't been released yet. Um, my key takeaways Teaser. here for the week. Yeah. Um, where I kind of deep dive a lot of different, you know, statistical trends. And the thing about Williams that really helps him is that he is a kind of Kadarius Tony-ish kind of guy where I think he really thrives five to 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And luckily for him, Tommy DeVito can't throw it any further than that. So it's a match made in heaven. I I, I think Williams will have another big week of targets. Uh, I think he'll turn it into something. Yeah, I like that call. Uh, my next one here that I'm starting is Trey Potts and Mo Ibrahim. Oh, okay. We got a double here. 
We got a double. We got a, we got a twofer. Um, Mo Ibrahim last week, 21 carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Trey Potts, not far behind him, especially in terms of carries. 17 carries, 89 yards, uh, and a touchdown. He also had one catch for 14 yards. Uh, both of these guys are involved. Um, I think that's going to be a trend that move that continues moving forward. Uh, they play West Illinois this week. Not a good team. They're going to blow them out. Um, they lost to Bowling Green last year. Just throwing that out there. Not to put any bad juju on Minnesota. Sorry, Minnesota fans. I probably just screwed that up for you. <laughs> um, but no, I'm 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 starting both of these guys this week. This week I'm starting Tyrese Chambers, wider uh, wide receiver, FAU. They play Texas State this week. Uh, Chambers had 14 targets last year. Or last week turned that into eight, 86, and two. Another high total game score here, uh, around 61 points. Um, so I think Chambers has another really nice week there. I'm I'm I'm. I feel pretty good about him this week. I like that. Um, my next one here is Henry Parrish. Uh, he was on the Damn. list last week. We yeah. got the start. Double We're going, going right back to the well. Uh, he had 14 carries, 108 yards, and three touchdowns. So performance was definitely buoyed by those three touchdowns. Um, but Miami won by 57 points. You know, So they started rotating those backs in afterwards. I think Henry Parrish. Felix says that was against Boston College. That's, that's true. Uh, that looks a lot better. Um, With the Cookman, Cookman. For anybody that doesn't know <laughs> Also BC, just different BC. Um, but they play uh, Liberty. Liberty led up 244 yards rushing to Southern Misses. Uh, so, yeah, I'm firing up Henry Parrish this week. Uh, Blake Cor- Corum is probably my stone-cold lock of the week here. Uh, Hawaii... <laughs> I don't know what I can say about Hawaii. They're terrible, man. They have, uh, I believe, the third worst rush defense in the country. Um, I think they'll get out early here. I mean, it's uh, McCarthy is starting this one, but I think they're going to be conservative game plan wise. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of heavy rush stuff. Um, and McCarthy was, was I, I didn't want to put him down. Um, so, so Corum, I think Corum has a really nice week. Um, and uh, probably sits at halftime or close to it and still hits the, the threshold to 20-plus points. Yeah, I mean, we just said Missouri or UNC might be the Missouri this year. Hawaii is also probably a good candidate to be the Missouri of this year. Um, I don't know how many more. We're, we're, we might have to institute a Hawaii rule, too. Uh, we would do that before a UNC rule. But we don't have the rule in place this year or this week, so good call. Uh, my next start here is Taulia Tagavaloa. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have a stellar game last week for just under 300 yards, but they throw the ball a lot. Uh, they play Charlotte this week. Charlotte's defense is atrocious. Uh, FCS school William and Mary threw for 237 yards and two touchdowns on them. FAU and Nikosi Perry uh, threw for 256 yards and one touchdown against him. They're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to throw the ball all over Charlotte. Put up big numbers. I'm firing up Talia. Um, next up for me, I'm starting Bryson Nesbitt, UNC tight end there. Uh, he's tied for third on the team in targets right now. And Josh Downs, if he's out again this week, is is one of the two guys ahead of him. Um, Georgia State's defense, really not very good. Um, they look his way in the red zone. He scores touchdowns. Um, so I'm starting Nesbitt this week. Um, my next start here is Aiden O'Connell. Uh, it was a sit for me last week. Um, they threw 58 times last week. He only had one touchdown. That's not, that's not going to happen again. 
Uh, Penn State, very good pass defense. Um, so they're not going to throw the ball 58 times this week against Indiana State, but he's going to have way more than one touchdown this week. Um, I think he's a he's somebody you you get back in your lineup now. Yep. Um, from from uh, from sit to start, you'll love to see it. Um, Corey Crooms, I'm starting this week. Um, Western Michigan gets Ball State, uh, certainly a less formidable defense than Michigan State is there. And he did not have a great game last week, but he had 11 targets. He still led the team in targets. So even though it was an underwhelming performance, the the target distribution was still there uh, in his favor. Um, so I, I like him to to get probably eight or 10 catches this week, and I like him to score at least once, which is going to be the big one. I could see like a nine for 110 and one kind of stat line for him this week. That, that feels uh, pretty solid. Uh, I am putting uh, Brian Cobbs back in my lineup this week. He was a very obvious hit last week against Alabama. Uh, this week they get Weber State, much easier matchup. Um, he is still the guy who's getting the most heavily targeted um, week in, week out. So I think he's he's the guy from Utah State that you want so far this year. He's not going to be Devin Tompkins, but I think he's going to be a week in, week out starter. I'm putting him back in. Next up for me is Cam Camper. We talked a lot about him earlier. Big targets last week. They play Idaho. Um, really, the only thing missing from him was a touchdown last week. I think he gets it. The fact they can't win the ball means they're going to have to throw it. Like there's no maintenance mode for them here. If they want to, if they want to move the ball, they're going to have to pass it. So I think Camper has himself a nice day. Yeah, my uh, my next start here is Reese White, running back for Coastal. Um, Braden Bennett was banged up this week. Didn't play. So Reese White was the lead running back, 21 carries, 133 yards and a touchdown, uh, two catches for 20 yards and two touchdowns. So he got a little bit of passing game work there too. Um, But even if Braden Bennett comes back this week, I'm still going to put Reese White out there. Um, The RB2 in this offense last week uh, had 19 carries. So Braden Bennett can have 19 carries and Reese White can still have a really nice week. They get uh, Gardner-Webb. So uh, easy matchup here. Reese White will be hyper-efficient. I'm firing him up. Uh, Toa Tawa, next up for me. They play Incarnate Word this week. Incarnate Word uh, lost their starting quarterback and their their head coach to Washington State this offseason. I can't imagine that they had a particularly easy time replacing either of them. Uh, And Tawa has gotten pretty nice volume there uh, in the backfield for Nevada. So I am uh, firing up Tawa this week. Uh, My last one, last start of the week here, Tajay Spears. um, 12 carries, 57 yards, three touchdowns last week. Three touchdowns on 12 carries. um, Not really a repeatable performance. You know, they did it against UMass. Not a good team. Um, He did chip in two catches, 32 yards on the ground. So that helps too. But Uh, They get Alcorn State this week here. So while he might not have the touchdown total, uh, I think his yards are going to be there this week. Uh, Michael Pratt, always a threat to steal some some touchdowns from him here. But um, uh, Tajay Sarp's a guy I'm firing up. Or Tajay Spears is a guy I'm firing up this week. Last one, Colin. We talked about on this show already. I'm starting Jaden on. Back at Cal, they play UNLV. I think he's going to be the main man. I think they're going to establish the run early. I like Jaden Ott this week. I like it. Um, so do we want to move into starts? You want me to run through my sits? Run, uh, run through, yeah, run through your 10 starts real quick, and I'll run through mine, and then we'll flip over to sits. We didn't have any uh, any overlap. No overlap. Maybe we'll on the sits, though. 
I don't okay. know. This was a tough week to figure out sits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, starting Chris Thornton, uh, Clay Millen, Darren Granger, Trey Potts, and Mo Ibrahim, Henry Parrish, Talia Tagovailoa, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Brian Cobbs, Reese White, Tajay Spears. And I am starting in Mecca Buka, Tori Horton, Isaiah Williams, Tyrese Chambers, Blake Corum, uh, Bryson Nesbitt, Corey Crooms, Cam Camper, uh, Tawa Tawa, and Jaden Ott. All right, Colin, let's go over to our sits here. Um, as always, uh, I start this one off. And my first sit is Stefan Cobbs. I'm starting Cobbs this week. Bad week last week. You just made a face. Do you also have sick Cobbs this week? I do have Cobbs. Yeah. Right after we jinxed it. Right after we said we didn't we have did. any overlap. New, new quarterback in town. Seems like more of a rusher. I'm not uh, super bullish on on uh, on him yet. Um, so until I see something out of him, I am sitting Cobbs. Yeah, I'm sitting Cobbs until further notice to actually. Um, four for 39 last week. Not good. The QB situation is a mess. They get Hank Bachmeyer went four for eight with two picks. They benched him for freshman Taylor Green, 6'6, 220, dual threat guy, better rusher than passer. Um, I am avoiding this passing attack until I see more. Uh, I'm yeah. skeptical. I agree. Uh, next up for me, then, I'm sitting Bijan this week. I'm just not starting him against Bam. I know that he's going to be most of the offense. You have him too. Did you yeah. make your case? Damn it. <laughs> two for two. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, 10 for 71 and a touchdown last week, and then three for 40 through and a touchdown through the air. He's going to be involved, but it's Bama. I bet you have this next one, too. Uh-oh. I'm sitting Cam Ward against Wisconsin. I don't. Oh, I thought okay. about it. I thought about it. I don't. Yeah, I just think Wisconsin's going to just maul them up front. I think they're going to really, really struggle this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do have a quarterback, though. Um Quinn Ewers, sitting Quinn Ewers this week too. I didn't want to pair them together just in case one of them goes off. Wow, Collins I'm already hedging. getting into the game theory of like how he's got to keep up with me here. That 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 loss last season stung, huh? It did. It did sting. Um, I, I'm, I'm out for redemption this year. Uh, and then, you know, last week having three of those uh, sit everybody in this game, kind of it kind of hurt. So... I'm gaming it a little bit, but Quinn Ewers gets Alabama, and then he didn't even look that great against UL Monroe last week. It was his first collegiate start, so you know, I'm willing to give him a pass in terms of the long term, but uh, 16 for 24, 250, 225, two touchdowns, one pick. You want to see more out of that against UL Monroe. This Alabama defense is going to be after him all night. Uh, I'm sitting Ewers. And his car got towed. Uh, yes. I'm sitting Devin Neal this week. Last week's uh, stat line, a little bit of a mirage, did not really have a ton of carries, just was you know, pretty productive on the ones he got. Um, I am like, I, I just think this, this coaching staff wants to run a bunch of guys out there. Neil is obviously the most talented guy, but he's never going to get those 25 plus carries that you want. So I'm sitting Devin Neal. Uh, I am sitting Kalen LeBourne, uh, running back for Marshall. Uh, he had a really nice week last week, 12 carries, 102 yards, uh, two touchdowns, one catch uh, for seven yards as well. Um, they did run the run the score up a little bit, uh, you know, and but Ethan Payne, backup running back, 10 for 113 and two, three catches for 28 yards. Um, 
so he's involved as well. I don't think he's necessarily going to go away. I think he's going to be just enough of a thorn in LeBorn's side here, at least uh, throughout the early part of the year. But they also play Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame did give up 172 yards rushing to Ohio State, but Marshall is not Ohio State. Um, so I'm sitting LeBorn. Next up for me, I'm sitting Xavier Hutchinson this week. I think Iowa State's going to really struggle to move the ball there consistently against Iowa. I almost put Deckers down, but I could still get to see him sneaking in a rush touchdown or something to kind of ruin it for me. Um, whereas Hutchinson, I, I just think he's going to struggle this week. I really do. I don't know who's going to win that game. I think Iowa State can probably win just because Iowa can't move the ball at all. But, um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be because of Hutchinson. Yep. I also had Hutchinson. Oh, Literally man. the exact same thought process there. I almost put Deckers, and I was like, you know what? He could have a rush touchdown, so I'm not going to put him. But Xavier Hutchinson had a huge week last week. Many people are asking, is is that the reason that Hunter Deckers looks so good? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not starting him this week against Iowa. Tough matchup. Next up, Siobhan Cordero. Uh, I just think Auburn's going to be a little too physical for San Jose State. Um San Jose State didn't look great last week against, what was it, Portland State, I believe. Um, so I, I'm going to sit Cordero this week. Unbelievable. No way. Yeah. I think you just showed up unprepared, and now you're just going to game theory the crap out of me for the rest of this week. Uh, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Now I'm in your head. Um, sure, no, that's I, great. I, I want to see your sheet. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I, I think that uh, Cordero is a guy that you're going to want to start most weeks, but – and San Jose State, I think, is going to be a good team this year overall. But, uh, you know, and Auburn, not a good SEC team, but it's still SEC. Um, they still are just going to manhandle them up front. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not starting Cordero either. Will Levis? Nope. There okay, you go. I'm sitting Will Levis this week. They play Florida. He wasn't really very good last week. Um, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm not starting him this week. I think he struggles. Um, I am sitting Christopher Brooks this week. Um, he had a big week last week, uh, you know, 113 carries, 135 yards and a touchdown, uh, one catch for two yards on the ground. Uh, but the backup running back Katoa had 10 carries and, and two catches as well. So he was involved. Uh, I do think, you know, some of that had to do with the game script a little bit. I think Christopher Brooks will be, uh, involved more than Katoa moving forward, but USF has a very bad defense, which is who they played last week. Baylor has a very good defense who they played this week, so I'm sitting Brooks. Next up for me, I'm sitting Ricky White this week. I know we had that big week zero, and you're probably thinking I, I'm tempted to start him again here. I got him hot off the waiver wire. Maybe you already had him, uh, but I just want to see UNLV actually play a real team before I – I'm starting any of those guys. And that means Brumfield. That means White. That means Aiden Robbins. That means any of the guys on this team. I, I don't really want to start any of them, but specifically in this one, Ricky White, because I think he's the one that people are going to be tempted to maybe throw out there. Um, I don't have Ricky White, so we're good. Um, uh, my next sit is Chris Smith, running back for ULL uh, or UL, Louisiana. He, 12 for 44 last week. Look, I'm done with Chris Smith. I'm done. I'm done until further notice. I have a lot of Chris Smith. It's very frustrating. I never start him on the right weeks ever. I'm done. I'm not sitting. I'm not starting him uh, until further notice. 
I'm sitting EJ Smith this week. Almost all of his production came on that one huge run last week. Other than that, he actually really didn't do anything. And granted, you know, you can't play the, you know, take out this run game. But I mean, when he had like 120 yards and 90 of them came on one run, he did nothing. The other 17, it's a little cause for concern. I think USC, their defense isn't great. But I think if they get out early and they make Stanford kind of hang with them, I, you know, they're not going to be able to use him to grind the clock, really. I, I just think it's a bit of a trap. I'm not starting him this week. Sorry, Matthew Bruning. Um, my next sit here is Parker Washington. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, two for 30 last week, fourth in targets on the team. He's going to have better days. Um, they do have a soft matchup this week against Ohio. But I think Penn State's going to want to establish the run more this week in an easier matchup after struggling last week. I mean, the, the constant theme coming out of, of Happy Valley and, and, you know, a lot like a lot of the beat writers and everything is talking about this offensive line and how they need to be actually be able to run the ball to sustain some drives, to kill some clock, to actually be able to compete in the Big Ten. Um, so I think they're going to really focus on that this week. Last name here for me, Spencer Sanders. We saw what he did last week, guys. It's a trap. It's always a trap. It always will be a trap. Don't do it. Don't get caught doing it. He's going to go out there and throw for 180 yards and three interceptions this week. That's just who Spencer Sanders is. Uh, that's fair. It's a bold one. Uh, I'm sitting Frank Gore Jr. Um, he had a huge game last week. 32 carries, 178 yards, two touchdowns. Um, but they play Miami. It's a negative game script. He's not getting 30 carries again this week. Um, and I'm not all that sold on, on Frank Gore Jr. in general. So I'm definitely sitting him. Uh, all right, Colin. Uh, so let's name our 10 here, and then uh, we'll get out of here. My 10 sits, Stephon Cobbs, Bijan Robinson, Cam Ward, Devin Neal, Xavier Hutchinson, Siobhan Cordero, Will Levis, Ricky White, EJ Smith, and Spencer Sanders. Uh, my sits are Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, Kalen LeBourne, Xavier Hutchinson, Christopher Brooks, Chris Smith, Stefan Cobbs, Parker Washington, Frank Gore Jr., Siobhan Cordero. All right, guys, that is our show for this week. Again, check out all of our shows over on the Campus to Canton Podcast Network. You get two episodes of Chasing the Natty here in season. You get us twice a week on Campus Life Canton Bound. We've got Debbie Debate. We've got Back to Debbie. We've got Bet on C2C. We've got the official and podcast form. Um, I think that's it. I hope I didn't I hope I didn't miss anything and upset anybody. I think that's the schedule. Um, so go check all those out, guys. Check out, again, campus2canton.com. Uh, we will see you guys on Thursday as the NFL season kicks off. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.